Um, this little book right here, The Bloodline of a Champion by Mark Hankins, I'm, I am preaching some of what I'm getting out of this book to you guys. Uh, I can't preach it all. I can't preach this message as good as Mark Hankins preaches, I'll tell you. But this, church, this book has changed my life, literally. The things I'm learning about the blood of Jesus, I never knew. And so while I was in Louisiana, I bought a box of these things and brought them home. So they're out there for sale. Jody and Michelle, they answer your question. Everything in the first book is still in this one. They added and then they rearrange the titles so that what used to be a section now became a head and vice versa. But it's all there. So it's actually that and more. So I'm going to suggest the ones of you that are enjoying this series, um, I've been reading this book now off, you know, in other words, I, I read it and then I read another chapter and then I bounce around and then I read it again. That's absolutely one of the most liberating books I've ever read on righteousness and walking with God. Jody, tell me something. You told me one day, you said that book helped you, didn't it? Changed your life, didn't it? It's changing mine, and I've been a Christian for 40 years. The grace of God. We need a revelation of the grace of God and the goodness of God. And so I thought, well, if I, I'm going to preach it the best I can. But if I get a book in your hands and you start reading it while I'm preaching on this, we'll get some happy people around this church. Amen? So anyway, the books are out there for you guys. And um, anyway, enjoy them. It's um, don't forget, a lot of people are born in September. There are a lot of birthdays because it's nine months from Christmas and New Year's. You thought that's funny, didn't you? It's true. You know, military kids, all military kids are born in September. Dad was home on leave. Okay, y'all are too religious for me. Y'all are way too religious for me. <laughs> Are y'all ready for the word? All right, we got six people. Go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John, little John. The sermon today is called Spectrum of Light. And I'm going to pray. Father God, I'm going to open this up and I want to, I need a Holy Ghost to help me. To say this the way you want to say it. Because we need to hear it the way we need to hear it and walk in the light as you're in the light. Father, that's where our fellowship is. Our fellowship and with you is the greatest gift you have ever given to a human being. To walk in your throne room as though we've never sinned. And Father, I pray that we would understand and, and, and take advantage of this and not live on the outskirts but come in and spend time with you and start getting our prayers answered like we've never had them answered before. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to start reading. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we're walking in darkness, we lie. And we're not practicing the truth. Doesn't mean you don't know the truth, you're not practicing if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, the, the Lord asked me this question not too long ago. Um, because, because I had always, I, I'd start off my Christianity with this question. 
I walked into a church one day like this one. I saw people lift their hands and worship God. And I left and I said, Father, who's right? I started noticing as a new believer all the different churches that are on the earth. There's Muslims and there's uh, and there's Buddhists and there's Jehovah Witnesses and there's Catholics and Baptists and Episcopalians and Pentecostals. And so to a, to a person walking in a church, that's a little bit confusing. I mean, who's right? So he said this. He said, that's the wrong question. He said, you need to ask the question, what's right? Not who. And he took me to this scripture right here. And he started me off. Now look at this. I'm going to read it again. This is the message we, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then he said these words to me. He said, there are people on the earth that walk in total darkness. We call them unbelievers. Those are people who have never been born again. But yet, because what Jesus did for them, and yet, the, the message has not affected them at all. They are living in darkness, and they will die in darkness. And so he says they're living in darkness that's black. How many of y'all have ever been in a cave, and they turn the lights off? How black is it? It is scary. Lisa and I went someplace up in Tennessee or North Carolina something one time, and they take you down all in it, and they got the lights down there. And then while he's there, he's got his hand on the switch, and I thank God his hand's on the switch. If I ever go back in one of them again, I'm carrying a flashlight because I don't trust everybody. <laughs> and he turned the lights off. I'm telling you, I couldn't see my hand. And I'm going, that's absolutely eerie black. All right. Now, then he made a statement to me. The Lord said to me, he says, but it seems as though people all walk in a different degree of light. And begin to think about that a little bit. It's not a matter of what church we go to or what we say we believe. He said, there's people who walk in a little light. He said, then you have people who walk in brown light. And I, and, and, and I, I said, well, who, what are they? Well, who are they? He said, well, you know, we've all been out at night and walked around in the dark. And you can see, it's not like it was in the cave where you can't see your face. It's dark outside, but there's, a, there's stars shining and it's light enough to go, you know, to go out and lock your car, get something outside. And, and especially if the moon's not up, the, the stars are enough to make it at least a little bit light. He said, there's people in the world who have been in church, heard the gospel, and they have light. And they choose not to do anything with it. And those are people walk around in what we call brown light. And then he said there are people who walk in purple light. Those are people that have been to church, have a certain knowledge of God, raised in a Christian home, and yet they still walk in darkness. Now, they're not in total darkness because if you talk to them, they know enough Bible. There's none righteous, no, not one. Don't judge me. Judge not that you be not judged. They don't know much scriptures, but every one of them say, leave me alone, you know. So, so these, there's people who walk in a, a, high, a, little, a little bit more light. He said, then there are people. When, this is where we're going to get into two words, 
relationship and fellowship. Are they the same? No, they're not. A man and a woman can get married and have a relationship and not be in fellowship with each other. And there are times that all of us in this room, and don't, don't look holy to me, you've broken fellowship with your spouse. And those are not good days. The cream of life is fellowship. That's what makes life life. When I've said what I said, and I got a little rebuttal that yesterday we all won, it was, a, it was such a joy to sit with these kids yesterday and, and mess with them and shoot the bull and just have fun with them. That, that literally was, it, it just, I mean, it just gave me so much joy to go out in the woods and then after we fellowship and then shoot some of them. Just humble them a little bit. I never did get Caleb Hayward. Except, except, because he hid. So one time after he was walking away and been shot, I shot him in the back. I confessed my sin. I promised him I'd shoot him, and I did. So I had to keep my word. <laughs> He's walking away. Oh, who did that? And I went, I did. Little, little sucker, I told you I'd shoot you. I said, quit hiding in the bushes so I can get you. Anyway, the greatest joy of my life, and you all understand this, is time with my family. Kids coming over for Christmas and and. And walking in a church, you know, there's people in here that I have friendships with that I, 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 I never had until I met y'all. And, it, and I love fellowshipping with you guys. It's, it's hard to do on a Sunday morning. But going off with you guys and doing things with you is, is literally a joy. And, and, and my wife, Lisa and I, I mean, I wish we had a perfect marriage, but she's not there yet. As she enters the back door. But I'm going to tell you something. She's the funnest person you've ever been around in your life. She's absolutely a ball to be with. We, 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 do, we do everything together from, um, from water skiing to uh, uh, climbing mountains. And we just, you know, it, she's just a ball. And, and the few times we've been out of fellowship, and it's, it is her fault. Have y'all ever been out of fellowship with each other? It's just not fun. You can walk in the house and nobody's talking. You're like, this soon she'll pass. You know, God, get her. Do something with her. And then he starts saying, well, what about you? And I go, well, you know it's not me. But I'm going to tell you something. Fellowship with each other. Heaven is about fellowship. Christianity, the greatest gift we have on the planet is fellowshipping with God. And I want to talk, and that's what I'm talking about because we have Christians that are not taking advantage of the blood of Jesus and fellowshipping with your father like you can. So the next group we have, I'm going to call them blue Christians. And I say this with all the grace that I can in my heart. Please hear me. I'm not trying to be condescending. But there are people who walk in a church and say, I want to be born again. I want to meet Jesus, but I don't want to walk with him. 
I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. But I don't want God in my life. I don't want him messing my life up. And they, and they have a relationship with God. And they do. And you'll see them enter church on Sunday morning and complain that a one-hour service is too long. And, and these guys are literally born-again Christians in relationship with God. But I don't see the fellowshipping with God because they've chosen not to. And it's not a matter that they can't know. It's a matter they've chosen not to know. All right, and then you have people that are in green. These are Christians who are usually in, in churches who have a relationship with God, but they start getting hungry for God. They start wanting to know a lot more about him. They pick up their Bible, they read it, and they start getting really hungry. Then we have people who go from green to yellow. They walk in more light than the average Christian. They're usually people who we call charismatics, tongue-talking people who came out of churches because they wanted more of God. They said, there's a lot more God. This church is probably full of a lot of people, either green, yellow, or white light. There's a lot more light in here, a lot more fellowshipping with God, a lot more hunger for God in a church like this. The church in the world is, is growing. The church in the world is growing. There, it's, it's expanding. Denominational churches are dying and it's not the church is not growing. It's just people People say, I, I, I don't want a religion anymore. I want a relationship with God. And then when they get a relationship, they say, hey, I want a fellowship with God. Yes. So there's people in yellow light. And I'm going to tell you who they are. And I'm going to tell you why I said this. Met a person not too long ago. And it really got me to thinking. They have a call of God on their life. And they're asking God, where do you want me to go? But they're praying selfishly. They've got their life mapped out. And they're asking God to bless it. And they're walking in light, but they're not walking in fellowship with God. And there's a difference. So I'm going to tell the story of me because I did this once. I understand this process because I did it. When I went to Ramah, I, I walked in fellowship with God, and God said, I want you to go to Bible school. I went to Bible school. And when I left Ramah, I was thoroughly convinced that I was called to be an evangelist. So I got me a Kenneth Copeland Bible, Kenneth Copeland suit, and, when I, and, I, and I eventually even got me a pilot's license so I could travel like Kenneth. Are you all out there? Did you go home? Now, I got to call God on my life. What am I doing? I'm telling God what to do, what I want. So I, the Lord in his grace, he will allow us to live in his permissive will for a while. But I remember the day that I was flown down to the Bahamas and I was shooting grouper and picking up lobsters in the perfect will of God, flying airplanes, snorkeling, and this is the good life. And I went off to an island, and, and, and Melanie Hayward remembers this because she was there. And, when, and the Lord said to me, when you get home, they're going to ask you to take this church. You're the next pastor. And I said, not so. That's not in my plans anywhere. 
I had never had a thought enter my mind of pastoring a church. Isn't that amazing? And yet I love God. We're born again. Relationship with God. Fellowshipping with him changed my life. I began to realize that if I wanted the life that I want, that I'm going to need to fellowship with God. Not just, not just be a Christian. And fellowshipping with God, go with me to, to Romans chapter 12. I want to show you something. Are you all ready for this? I'm saying this because we just got through reading about fellowshipping with God. The difference between that is the difference in yellow light and white light. White light is where you can see everything clearly. There are men and women on this planet that walk in the light as he's in the light. We call them people like Kenneth E. Hagen or John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth or even people like Maybell. There is a difference in a person. Now, I'm going to say something to you all right now. I want you to listen to me. You will never walk with God until you have a desire to please him. You'll never pay the price. You'll never do it. Because it will always be a certain element of trying to get God to answer your prayers. Rather than you say, what do you want to do? Let me back up and tell you another story. You guys were here when this happened. Do you remember when I went to Texas and my appendix ruptured? Did you know that I never one time worried about dying or, or anything? Never, never ever gave that a drop of thought. Now, you say, well, that's because you have great faith. Where did I get it? But, but why would fellowshipping with God make me different than the average Christian? Because I don't care if I live or die. You understand? If you can't trust him with your life, how are you going to trust him for healing? It's not trusting God for healing or trusting him for money. It's trusting him with you. So when I, when I gave him me, everything changed because I, I'm no longer responsible for me. So I'm laying there and they go, well, you know, Pastor Morgan, you're eat up with gangrene. I went, okay. What do I care? <laughs> you're thinking, that scared me to death. It didn't bother me. And so they took a little vacuum cleaner and sucked it all out, cleaned me all up. Sewed, you know, cut some parts out and put me back together again. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I need to go home. He said, you can't go home. You're sick. And I said, well, you, 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 got, all, you got all the stuff you're going to do. He said, yeah. And I said, well, I won't go home. He said, you're no condition to go home. I said, ah, oh, send me home. And finally, I just, I just messed with him so much, he finally patched me up and stuck me on an airplane, sent me home. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm, I, please understand something. I would never brag on me at all. I don't, I'm not all that. But, but my faith was high because my fellowship is high. And, Okay, I never, I never took a pain pill. I mean, they just cut me open. Never took a pain pill. By Wednesday, I was back preaching. If God wants me to preach, he's got to take care of me. So then they handed me the bill. Was it 130000 Is that right? Is that? It was, uh, was uh, 98, but then the doctors. Oh, the doctors. The doctors are the worst there. 
some doctors need to get saved. I found out that if they come in and put a stethoscope on you, it's going to cost you $100 or $200 or $500. And they said, five doctors came to see you. I said, okay. I got a bill from five doctors. They all came in and put a stethoscope on me. I'd get a bill for 1000 bucks. I said, I'm going to buy me a darn stethoscope. That is the most... That's the best way in the world to make money. And y'all understand, I got a little mad, but you can't get mad and get your prayers answered, so I got over it. But they handed me a bill for $130,000, and I said, God, I don't have $100, much less $130,000. And y'all know what happened. Within a couple months, it was paid off. Why? Why well, I'm not taking care of it. My God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. Do y'all see there's a difference in the way people are living their life. There's a place in God that God wants you to get. The blood of Jesus has given all of us the ability to walk into his presence and live in his presence. That's powerful, guys. That's the greatest gift God ever gave a man. You say, well, I thought the greatest gift was Jesus. It is. But what did Jesus do? He came and died so you'd have a relationship with God. So why did he give you a relationship? So you could have fellowship with God. Fellowshipping with God means that you're drinking out of the same cup. If you think the God of the universe is responsible for my health and bills. All I got to do is be concerned about what he wants me to do. In other words, when you step into the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus goes to work and cleanses you and keeps you clean. Even though we're, listen, I know I'm goofy. I do stupid stuff all the time. How do I get away with it? The blood is constantly cleansing me as though I'm perfect. It isn't me doing it. It's the blood doing it. But it's because I've chosen to wake up in the morning and go, God, what do you want me to do? I told you to turn to Romans 12, look. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Now, what does he mean by that? There's times that you have your ideas. Come on, I'm not. And there's times they're not God's ideas. And we're like, come on, God. I mean, I need you to come along and help me with this thing. He's going, that's not the direction I want you to go. And you're going, come on, God. All right, I'm going to tell another story, and I've told it before. When I first took the church, I still didn't like being a pastor. So when people would invite me to go preach someplace, I would pray about it. Heavenly Father, can I go to Cuba in the name of Jesus? Amen. Thank you. I look at Lisa and go, well, the Lord told me to go to Cuba. He didn't tell me to go to you. I lied about it. Okay. But I prayed about it. And and it has to be God. It has to be God because it's what I want. All right. So I, I, get, a, I get on an airplane, fly out of Quesaltenango, Guatemala, and get a C90 and fly over to Habana. And I'm in there preaching in a church. People are getting saved, healed, delivered. Yeah, baby. Come on, Kenneth. I get back to Quesaltenango, Guatemala, and I'm walking around, and the Lord said, what are you doing here? 
And I, I mean, you know, God knows what you're thinking. But I'm thinking, that's a stupid question. And I didn't want to say that to him. But I was real nice when I answered him. But I'm thinking, that's a stupid question. And so I read the Bible to him. You said, go in the whole world and preach gospel to every creature. Come down, what? read with me. And then he said, I didn't tell you to come here. I thought he took his fist and hit me in my gut. I came home limping. And that's when it started dawning on me. Wait a minute. That's a general scripture for the whole body, not for me. And even though I had a heart after God, I'm still not walking in the light as he's in the light. I still got an agenda. That means the church wasn't doing good because I'm out doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. But I love God reading my Bible, praying the Holy Ghost. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Where's the blood? Well, he's, he, Brother Hagin said this. He said, a lot of stuff happens because we're not in the perfect will of God. We're in the permissive will of God. So I created a lot of trouble in my life, and it wasn't God. That's before I learned to just do what he said. Just, you, you want me to go? I'll go where you say go. Once I made up my mind to do that, life got easier. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. Go to Matthew 11. The blood will make your life easy. If it's not easy right now, that's why you're in church. I'm trying to help us make your life easier. Look at this, 11, 28. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? He didn't say make your life harder. He said make it easier. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke's easy and my burden's light. I was talking about this person, this Christian I met, and, and they're trying so hard to be in the ministry, and God has a call on their life. But they're not doing what he told them to do. They're not interested in obeying him. They just want to be in ministry. We want healing, but I don't want to do I don't. I ain't going to do that. I want to be healed. I want to prosper, but I don't want. Did he say I'd, he'd meet all your needs? Yes. Well, then he'll meet all your needs. I'm not saying you don't need a job. Get a job by God. Get a good one and work hard. But if he tells you to do something different, do something different. I told him in the early service, there's a guy named Barry. I don't remember his last name. But right after he got born again, he's, he's an investor. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Prayed that prayer that Paul prayed. He said, well, I called you to be an investor, and I want you to invest in the kingdom of God. But I want you to do it my way. He said, what's your way? He said, every time you get an idea, take it in your closet. And he opened up a closet in his house and laid all of those investments on the floor. He'd go in there and pray in the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on every one of them. Ha-da-da-da-ba-ba-side and pray in the Spirit over them. He said he picked up some investments and said, this is a good one. This is, man, this is good. And he said the more he prayed about it, the more he knew, God, don't want me to do this. And he said, I'd throw it and don't do, Paul. He said, I'd pick up stuff that I knew was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. This has got to be the dumbest thing. He said, the more I prayed about it, the more the Holy Ghost said, invest in that. He said, I've never lost a dime. 
That's a, so in one year at camp meeting, he stood up and said, I will match every gift given today up to $1 million. He started off with $200 investment money. Do you think that God made his yoke easier? You better believe it. So was it to his benefit to obey God? Yes, it was. See, I'm telling you the story of me because I wanted to be an evangelist. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. God knows me better than I know me. I actually love what I do now. In other words, in other words, let God help you with you. Because he made you, he knows what you like. And now I love waking up on Sunday and walking in here and saying, open up your Bibles with people that I have a relationship with. And I watch Mark Hankins live out of a suitcase and I go, God, I'm glad I don't do that. Now see, my ideas weren't all that good. And he's going, you really don't want to do that. There's going to come a day you're going to thank me that I didn't let you do this. And I'm looking at Mark going, you fly around the world, buddy. You can have the airplane. I'm going home and get in my bed. And wake up with my coffee pot. Do y'all, how many of y'all have ever left home and came home and went, there ain't no place like home. You clicking your heels and going, my God, I love my house, my bed, and my pickup truck. Amen. Amen. Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Go with me now to math to Luke 8. He tells a story again. Now you say, Pastor, I thought you were preaching on the blood. I am. I am. We'll go back over there in a minute, and you're going to start seeing. And I don't have time to do it today. I didn't take the time. But the blood in your body is where life is coming from. Let's think about this a minute. The blood in your body is what's giving you life. So that when the blood is drained out, you die. But I don't know if, if doctors and scientists have ever figured out what the blood really does. It, is, it has, when you eat, the food gets in the blood and that blood takes it to the cells and feeds those cells. It takes oxygen to the cells. Then it takes waste and takes it out of your cells. The, the blood is, the, is your life. The blood of Jesus is your life. It, without the blood, there would be no cleansing from sin. There would be no feeding of your spirit, man. The, the blood is what's feeding you. The blood is what's giving you life. So the more light, you're walking in, the more life you're walking in, the more health you're walking in, the more prosperity you're walking in. But if God could just get you to get over there in the light like he's in the light, that blood would do its job and you'd fellowship with God and literally live in heaven on the earth. There's more to the blood than just getting born again. That's what I'm trying to say. It's more than a sinner coming home and being made right with God. It's not just for the sinner. It's for the Christian. It's not just for, it's every day of our life. That blood that didn't lose its power, it's working right this minute. The, the, the communion's called the cup of blessing. 
You think about the blood causes God to look at you and see no sin. No sin. He's looking at you right now and there's no sin. Make a Baptist shout. No sin. That's what makes you want to walk in there and spend time with him and fellowship with him. And then in that fellowshipping, the blood is cleansing you. And you're doing stupid stuff all the time. And it's not affecting you negatively because the blood's washing you all the time. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know. It's just... Luke 8, verse 11, it says, and, and so I said, well, where is this in the Bible? He said, I'll show you another place I wrote this in the Bible. He used seeds and not light, but it's the principle. The parable is this seed is the word of God. There are those on the wayside who hear the devil comes, takes the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. They never got saved. They're walking in darkness. And then there's people who, walk, who are on the rock when they hear the word of God. They, have, they, they hear it with joy, and they have no root, and they believe for a while, but in a time of temptation, they fall away. Why does that happen? Because they've never decided to please God. I'm going to obey God. Now, when I got born again, the day I got saved, he said to me, he says, get the playboys out, get the dope out, get the rock music out. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. If you think rock music's healthy for you, listen to the words. Oh, the words don't affect me. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, they do. So I filled the dumpster up with every kind of crap in the world, trash in the world. See there, wash it in the blood, Jesus. It didn't say crap. It said trash. <laughs> you know, Catholics, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they pray with stammering hands. <laughs> Lisa hates it. That's why I walked over here. She says, honey, we're trying to grow a church, not shrink it. We're just we're making Catholic. It's just a joke. Just, just come. We got Catholics in here, tongue-talking, devil-chasing. Catholics. God bless me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Were you a Catholic? Was. Now you're a Catholic hostel? Totally. Catholic hostel. <laughs> okay, don't get offended. Just, just forgive me and wash it in the blood. Anyway, verse 14. Now those who fell among thorns are those when they have heard they go out and choke with cares, riches, and pleasures. There's no sin in that. That's what I was talking about a while ago. There's so often in our life, we have an agenda. And I'm not telling you that you can't have a good life. That you, if it, just, just say, God, I'm following you the best of my ability with all of my heart. But if there's something you want to adjust, I, 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 I'll make an adjustment. I don't care. And the devil will tell you, you don't want to do that. He'll send you to Africa for sure. <laughs> and if not, he'll send you to India. Man, you're going to India. You're going to, you're going to hate your life. Well, no, no, he's not. He knows you. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I thank God that he sent me to Orlando. I thank God I listened to him. I'd have never met my wife. And I thank God that I listened to him when he said, take this church. It took a little while. And I said that to y'all because I want you to understand. God, he works on us. He had to work on me. To get me compliant. Yeah. I mean, just because he said it didn't mean I was excited about it. 
Because I thought, and I don't know how this is going to work. It don't look very good to me because I don't like them and they don't like me. But if I get to go preach the gospel in the islands, then I just blow in, blow up, and blow out. Need some lobster on the way. I mean, that's a better life, God. I'm, try- I'm trying to help us, God. That's a better way to do this. <laughs> but yet, when I, when I knuckled down and said, okay, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? Because I got tired of stuff going wrong that I couldn't. I'm praying about it and he's not answering me. I'm creating it. I'm trying to help us. So many people. God has so much for it. Go, go to Jeremiah. Oh, I didn't finish reading this. Let me read 15. The ones that fell on good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good what? Heart. God's not looking at your life. He's looking at your heart. Just have a good heart. And the blood of Jesus will keep you clean. Go to Jeremiah 29. There is fellowship. There is a fellowshipping with God. Not just relationship. There is a waking up in the morning and drawing off alone with God. I will tell you when you get in the habit of it, it is the, the sweetest time of your day. When I get to wake up, and Lisa, sometimes I'll see her, she'll get up in the morning and she'll have a little chair in the living room that used to be mine and she stole it. But since she gave me a whole room, I figured that giving her the chair would be fine. But, she, but she'll get in there and just spend time praying and seeking God. And I'm glad she does because she's a lot easier to get along with when she's been in there in that chair praying. She gets up from there and says, what you want for breakfast? If she's not spending time with God, she gets up and says, cook your own breakfast. <laughs> no, not really. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But I'll tell you, the presence of God, and I begin to learn that I work, when you're working on your love walk, you don't need to work on your love walk. Just spend time with God. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. If you're working on your prosperity, spend time with God. If you want your health to improve, spend time with God. Don't avoid God trying to get the blessings of God. Go spend time with him. He created you for fellowship. The desire of his heart is to be with you. That's powerful. The hunger of his heart is to be with you. That's good, isn't it? You got kids? You like it when they come around? Are they perfect? No. You don't care. But when they come around, doesn't it just give you joy to have them walk in the house and hi, mom, hi, dad, and you're just getting there going, oh, just love these kids. Just love them. I got, I got great kids. I got great grand, grandkids. I'm going to tell you all a secret, and I shouldn't tell you all all this stuff because I'm going to bear my heart to you. And when I laid in the hospital the first time, I, I laid there, I'd never been that sick in my life. And I thought to myself, if I died today, would I have regrets? And I said, yes, I would. I said, I have not spent the time with my grandsons, Cody and Tyler, that I wished I had. I spent too much time pastoring this church to take the time with those boys. And I made a vow that day on a bed, if I, if I get up and get out of here, I'm going to spend more time with those guys. 
And I love it. We, we, even though he shot me more times than he should have, I still love him to pieces. He's a smart boy. He, I, I, you get around your grandkids sometimes, you have to stop and go, they take after me. And my daughters, Che and Ashley, they are totally two different people. I mean, I mean, Ashley's brown-haired and brown-eyed, and Che's blue-eyed and blonde-headed. And they are not alike at all. Ashley eats French dressing. Che eats blue cheese. And I'll tell you, I just love them to pieces. Just, you know. But now that's, that's my heart crying. What do you think God's heart does when you wake up and go, I just want to pray. He just, it just, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I, I'm, I'm going to do something right now that I didn't do the first service. But I think, I think it, it bears for you to hear it. Oh, God, I didn't want to do this. I hate doing this because I always cry. <laughs> I grew up without a dad. I never had the relationship with a dad, a father. Didn't grow up with that. I mean, I'd see him Christmas. Usually he's drunk. So, so that was just kind of, I never had a father figure. And so being born again, God scared me a little bit. Because I sort of viewed him as being more religious because of Christians. And what they said and how they talked about God. But, but when I got saved, he wouldn't leave me alone. I mean, he just loved on me and loved on me and loved on me. And I just knew there would come a day he'd stop because, you know, everybody eventually leaves you. Eh, we don't like you anymore. Goodbye. And I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest part of living on the planet. You make a friend and one day they're gone. They just walk on you. And it's hard. It's, it, it's hard. So I'm laying in the bed one night, and I'm, and I'm praying, and I'm thanking God for all that's happened to me. I really can't believe what's happening to me. I mean, I got saved. He got me a job. Started making money. I got a new car. I mean, I'm just like overwhelmed with goodness. Like this is too good to be true. This can't be happening to me. And I laid in my bed one night and I said, God, I just, I thank you for what you have done for me. And I would lay there and cry myself to sleep at night because of his goodness. Because I'm a heathen, guys. I was a hell-raising son of a gun. And for him to treat me like this is not normal. And I didn't know about the blood. I didn't know any of the stuff I know now. So I'm laying there one night in my bed, and I said, God, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to climb up in your lap and kiss you. The only way I knew to express myself. I got the bright idea to ask him, can I see him? And he said, no, you can see my glory. And he took me to heaven. Oh, my God. I, was, you know, I didn't more expect to go to heaven than I expected to land on the moon. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in heaven, and I'm watching angels sing. When the angels sing, 
They all sing the exact same note at the exact same time, and it is beautiful. It is beyond human words to hear hundreds of thousands of angels sing like the voice of one man in a thousand speakers. And, I, and then I looked over in the throne room and I saw God. And I walked in and he talked to me about some stuff that I was praying about. And you've heard me tell this story, but I won't tell it again. He asked me a question. He said, why don't people listen to me? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know. I don't know why people don't listen to you. I just gotten saved. I don't know much about why people do stuff anyway, much less your church. And then all the angels stopped singing. It just went quiet. And he leaned over and put his hand right on his knees. Just looked me right in the eye. And he said, why don't people listen to me? I said, God, I don't know. And he began to weep. He didn't weep, he cried. He cried so hard. I fell in the floor of heaven crying my guts out because he's hurting. He said, why don't people listen to me? I said, I don't know, but you're killing me. That's exactly word for word what I said to him. I said, you're killing me. And I walked to the edge of heaven and I looked over heaven and I could see the earth. Just a globe. And I leaned over, and I could see a bank building downtown St. Louis. I don't know how I knew that. I just know it. So much so that one day when we went to a camp meeting, me and Lisa, Martha, and Bill Leggett walked around the edge of that building, and I stopped, and I said, oh, my God, this is the building. This is. And, and there was a man walking down the street. It had been raining. And I hollered at him and I said, you're hurting my father. You are hurting my father. And God said, he can't hear you, son. And I remembered walking to the edge of heaven with my back to God because I didn't want to turn and look at him anymore. And he said, well, you got to go. I said, I don't want to go. He said, well, you're going to have to go. He said, why don't you want to go? I said, I'm afraid I'll hurt you. And he said, you will. And the vision was for me, not you. He's, he, he loves us. He loves fellowshipping with us. Everything he did was so that we could know him. And yet, there's Christians, they don't know him at all. They're, they have a relationship, read their Bible. They don't know God. Do you all see what that scripture means? We have fellowship with God. You walk with God, you won't have any problems. Your days of problems are over. I didn't say you won't have trouble. You have trouble. I have trouble. I have stuff happen. Sometimes y'all give me trouble. 
and I've never had anything happen to me that he didn't get me out of it. Never. Do you all understand this? And it's not because I have a great prayer life. It's not that I'm more spiritual or have more faith than you do. I don't. But I have learned to wake up in the morning and go sit down on my couch and go, Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you, sir. And pray over my day and walk with him as close as I can. And when I miss it, I go to God and go, well, I blew that. And I do everything in my power to stay as close in fellowship with him as I can. Go back to 1 John now. Let's read it again. Oh, I never read this. Hold on. Let me read this to you. I know the thoughts I think towards you. This is God talking to you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you all want that? That's what he's thinking. That's what he wants. Now, there's no expiration date on this. You say, well, I'm 80 years old. I've blown it. No, there's no explanation. You can start today. You will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with what? All of your heart. That's what it means to step out of yellow light into white. It's not a perfect life, but it's a perfect heart. And when we decide to do that, The blood of Jesus creates in us a perfect life. And everything God ever had for you comes down because of the blood. Do you all see that? Okay, let me read this. I'll be found by you and I'll bring you back from your captivity and I'll gather you from the nations where I've driven you. Back to 1 John. Let's close with this. You know, I hate to tell that story and please understand it's not a hate like when I'm telling it, I can see it. It's, it's, it's not easy because there are no English words to tell you what I saw. I'm only telling you what I can tell you in English. Because what I saw, there is no earthly language to describe God. I will tell you as close as I can. He's a hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> There's a river that comes right out of his belly. Flows right through heaven. You stand in it, you won't drown. It's just, and we get in that river sometimes here. If you quit being afraid of it. This is the message we've heard and declared to you. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm going to close by explaining communion to you. And then we're going to close. We have communion elements up here. We're not going to pass them out. They're for you. What is this for? Why do we do this? Because God has never answered a prayer for you because you have a problem. You can talk about your problem for an hour and it don't move God a bit. 
You remember the man that came before Jesus and he says, boy, I'm glad I'm not like all the other people in this church. But the man who said, have mercy on me, made the Pharisees mad. The only thing that moves God is the blood of Jesus. When you walk in and you say, Heavenly Father, I want to come up this morning and take communion. And I want to tell you something. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And it's because of this blood that I am aware that I have fellowship with you. And I worship you right now with the blood of Jesus. And I thank you for that blood. That's fellowship. The word fellowship is the Greek word communion. So taking communion and fellowshipping is the same thing. If things are not right between you and God right now as you're sitting here, can I ask you to do something? Get it under the blood. You can turn everything you're going through right now around in one minute. Totally turn it around. Just walk up and say, Heavenly Father, I want to take communion. And I want to thank you for the blood that washes my sins away. And I thank you that I can stand before you holy because of Jesus. And I want to tell you something. You walk out of this church as righteous as God himself. And it's called the cup of blessing. And the blessings of Abraham will come on your life. As though you never did a thing wrong in your whole life. Is that exciting? And it'll make you get excited about the blood. I can see y'all are so excited. Y'all sit down, y'all. Are... Does this make sense? I spent too much of my time trying to live right to get God to bless me. To realize he don't bless me because I'm living right. I'm doing the best I can to live as close as I can, but it's still not because of me. It's still the blood. That's why I said that book changed my life because I realize right now I can wake up in the morning and go, I just plead the blood, Jesus. Amen. And I want to thank you that today is going to be a good day because of the blood. And I want to thank you that you answer all of my prayers. And I thank you that you're for me and not against me. And I thank you that you have a life for me better than anything I could create. And I want to tell you right now, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. What a way to start your day. Amen. I'm going to ask, there's some of you in here, you need, you need to do this. Because you're, you're struggling. You're, you're trying, you're, your life, you're just struggling. You need to quit. You need to let God be God. You need, to, you need to realize that God is going to answer your prayers because of what Jesus did. And I want you to take his yoke upon you and let him do it. Let him fix what you've got that you're dealing with. But it's all because of Jesus, not because of you. What that does is it takes pride out of you. I'm going to fix this. No, you're not. No, you're not. Father God, I did the best I could. I took the word of God that you had showed me this week and showed me about light. I'm asking you that we sit here this morning. There's people in this room that are walking in complete different areas of light. I ask you that they would draw into the light. They'd begin to walk in your light. And as they do, I pray that that blood would begin to wash their sins away. and Cause them to stand before you as though they have never done a thing wrong. 
Begin to bless them. Begin to pour out your goodness like you did upon me. And I pray that they would come into a fellowship with you this year greater than anything they have ever known in their life. And they will walk away knowing you love them, knowing you care about them, and hungering for you greater than anything that's ever overtaken them just to be with you. And Father God, I thank you for that. Lord Jesus, thank you for doing what you did and shedding your blood for us. The life is in the blood. Your life has become my life. Your life in heaven is still my life on this earth. All because of what you did. And I give you praise and honor for that, sir, in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, the blood will never lose its power. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.